This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to the Homeschooling with Technology show. Your host, Meryl Vandermerva, loves using technology to streamline her life and to make lessons more engaging. She is a graduated homeschool mom and teaches homeschoolers at her local co-op classes and online at fundafundaacademy.com. Whether you are tech-challenged or someone who loves technology, this show is for you. And here's your host, Meryl Vandermerva. Hello, and welcome to the Homeschooling with Technology podcast. This is your host, Meryl Vandermova, and today in episode 97, we're going to be looking at the profile of a successful online learner. I must just say at the outset, this episode has been inspired by one of the students in my current government class with Funder Funder Academy, our sponsor. She has been doing everything right in just the first few days of class and um, has already managed to stand out in a huge class. We have uh, well over 40 students this this particular year. I think it's because it's an election year. Um, And it just occurred to me that there are certain things as a parent that you can do to prepare your child to be a successful online learner. So although most of what I'm going to say will apply to an online student in high school and college, Really, the tips apply to everybody because these are things you need to be aware of as you are training up your child at a younger age so that they will be a successful online learner when their time comes. I do not think that we need kindergartners sitting for hours on end being online learners, not at all. But there are things that you can start to do, sometimes they're not even to do with online, but that will prepare them for the eventuality because I think especially after 2020, online learning is not going to go away. It is a convenient way to learn. And I do think though that it is a skill that students need and sometimes do not have. So I hope that this is going to be useful. Those of you who already have high schoolers, I doubt you're going to get them to listen to an episode of mine, but perhaps you can share these nine points and you can point out to them that I am somebody who is on the other end. I am a teacher, I am a grader, and this these are the things that I am I can tell you are going to make a difference to how successful your child is. So let me just get straight into it. And I'm just going to, in a particular order, go through nine different things that I think you should be aware of. The first thing is pretty obvious. Your children need to learn to read instructions. And as they get into high school and college, to read a syllabus and look and see what is expected of them. I know in the Funder Funder classrooms, all the teachers in the first week either have a separate module or part of the first week where they lay down their expectations. And I realize so often the end of a semester will come and students will say, I didn't know X, Y, Z. And I'm like, you actually signed that you had read that piece of paper because we do. We make them sign that they have read it. In fact, most of my classes, I make the parents sign that they know what their child is expected to do. So, for instance, in our classes, we have deadlines and there are penalties if you if you miss the deadlines. But I tell them this right at the start so that they can be aware and they can take this into account. So make sure they read that. And then every different um, assignment they get, make sure that they're reading those instructions too. Um, I have a Slack. I use Slack if you it's uh, if you want to learn more about what Slack is. I did do an episode on that. Uh, it's the communication one. 
but that's the way I communicate with my teachers and with the teaching assistants in Fund of Fun Academy. And just last night, one of our newer teaching assistants was pointing out that um, students that she'd been grading over the summer, because we do have some summer classes, uh, had you know, submitted work that was incorrect. And she said she has repeatedly explained to them that they were not reading all the details that they were expected, what they were expected to do. And she said she even offered help. And she said they haven't fixed it. And I was like, unfortunately, that is the case. So make sure you teach your kids, read what the actual assignment is asking you and read it again. And if it's long and complicated, they can even get you to come and say, okay, have I understood this correctly? Is this what's expected? I've had my my older children as they've gone to college sometimes have said me something and said, I'm confused. What do you think the professor actually wants from us? Just getting a second pair of eyes is not a sign of weakness or stupidity, but it's a smart thing to do when something is confusing. The next thing is be on time. Um, okay, just go back to the reading instructions. If your child, you know, you now say like you have a nine-year-old and they're doing their math or something and you see the dude incorrectly and you see it's incorrect because they didn't read the instructions, you start, you say to them, it's wrong, but it's not wrong because you didn't know the math, you didn't read the instructions. Go back and read. Force them to actually read the instructions. Don't always interpret for them. Make them learn to do that. Okay, back to number point two, because I don't want to try and keep telling you what you should be doing. Be on time. So this particular student that's been standing out to me, she actually started the class early. I opened it early so that kids could get started. I know it's everything's new for them. It's a good way for them to start feeling what this class is going to be like to get started a little early. So obviously she's going to be on time. But I have also noticed the first work is due. Today is Wednesday. Uh, first work is due on Friday. And some of them have yet to start. Not smart. And as soon as you start being late, you're going to continue being late. And say for our classes, it's actually a penalty. And when you get to college, sometimes literally when that cutoff time comes, they just close it. So you need to start putting deadlines in. As homeschoolers, it's very easy for us just to let things happen. And also, you know, like, oh, well, this was a bad week. We had family come to town or whatever. Now, there is a point to which, yes, you should be working around other things. But as they're getting closer to high school, they need to start learning their discipline. So another way is to put them in an outside class. You know, go to a co-op where the teacher has deadlines. Um, start to do things where they do have to, at least with some of their work, have to get it in at a specific time so they learn that. If you're doing an online class that has live components, they should be on time in the Zoom classroom, whatever's being used. Don't show up halfway through. That looks really, really bad. They should be there and be ready to get in there. For my classes, there's there's no um, live component, but there are deadlines. And I do notice the students that turn their work in well ahead of time, as opposed to those who turn it in one second before the clock and is probably rushed. Number three, make sure your students are tech savvy. By the time they're getting to high school, they should be able to easily figure out how to do assignments online, to submit them, etc. Particular student, again, who's standing out to me, has had no difficulty at all with all the basic things. Whereas I've had other parents be emailing me and saying, we're not sure what to do. Um, how do you 
look at this, what is going on. And so you need to just start the process. Make sure that before they hit high school, they've done some online class. There are so many. Funder Funder has just um, self-paced unit studies that are ideal to introduce your kids to online learning because there are no deadlines there. They don't have to worry about that. They can just get the feel of an LMS, a learning management system, where you're actually submitting online and you're working through um, things online. And it's just a, a fun way for them to do it. There's lots of other places where they can also just take classes before they get to high school. Now, they may actually hit real tech difficulties. Monday, I think so many people started back at school and college. Um, Funder Funder uses Canvas, which so do most schools and colleges. It was running really slowly and a couple of people had tech difficulties. When you have a, when you need to teach them when they have problems like this, in this or perhaps even just something else that they're using in the class. And I've had one student, for instance, in Python, who's having problems um, logging into uh, a separate little program that we use in Python. And he keeps coming back to me and I keep having to go back and ask him more and more questions. He's told me what the problem is, but not in enough detail that I can actually figure it out. Teach your children that if they have an issue like not being able to log in, to take a screenshot right up front and send the teacher all the information say this is what happened this is how it looked this is what i was doing it makes a huge amount of difference and the teacher is going to notice and think whoa that was impressive this only happens to me very very seldom um, i constantly have to go back and ask and i sit backwards and forwards three or four times before i get sufficient information that i can actually help them solve their problem Number four is remove distractions. And again, this is something that you can be teaching your child all along. When they're doing school, they're doing school. Now, my um, youngest daughter is a junior in college and all her classes have gone online. And for her, that is a problem. She actually works much better when she's sitting in the front row looking at the teacher. So she wasn't thrilled, but life is what it is. And she didn't have a proper desk in her bedroom. She shares with her cousin and she realized that she's going to have to do something. So my husband actually had an extra desktop computer. She got that and she bought herself a desk and she's now set up so that when she's doing classes, she's not on her bed, which is where she used to often work, um, or on the couch, which was her second favorite place, but she actually sits at her desk. If your kids are very distracted by their cell phones, teach them to put it somewhere else. And when they're working on online classes, just to be sitting in front of their computer and just doing that. And again, this is something that you can teach your kids as they're growing older to just to be in a distraction-free environment. Number five is follow the rubric. Most online classes should have rubrics. I know at college in particular that's going to be, um, we have used them extensively in the funder funder classes because this is a way that students can see exactly what is required of them in an assignment and how much different parts of that assignment are worth. So for instance, um, I have just the, in the government class, to use that as an example, one of the very first assignments is to create an animation um, between Locks and Hob, having a little argument between the two of them. I think I probably give, I haven't, didn't check it before I did this, but I probably give them one point for creativity or how well it's done. But that would be one point out of 10 or 15 or 20. I'm not sure what the total number of points are. The majority of the points is going to be for actually coming up with the different arguments, the, the things that they agreed on, the things they disagreed on. It'll be the actual content. If they spend hours and hours making it look pretty and didn't focus on understanding what each of those two men were teaching, they aren't going to do well and they would have wasted their time. 
So it might not look very pretty, but if the facts are all there, they will get 90% at least, probably 95%. And that's what they need to be understanding is where to put their time in. And also just to make sure that they have done every single thing in the rubric. And if they if they follow that, they're going to see their grades will really improve. So, you know, for younger kids, if you're sitting in a situation where they've never understood rubrics before, you can, for instance, if the kids are writing you an essay, you can say, I'm going to give you two points for this, three points for this, you know, and you can explain it to them. So you can do the concept of a rubric just with a class or two before so they learn to start to actually watch what they're asked for. Um, number six is communicate when they find any problems or confusion. Anything they're not sure about. Now, again, the student that stood out to me, she was working on this particular animation and the instruction said that they, um, the little animation should be one minute. She noticed in the rubric that there was nothing in the rubric about it being one minute. So there were no penalties. There were no points given if it was longer. So she reached out to me and said, I see that there is nothing required but that isn't on there. So I want to just make 100% sure that mine is a little over one minute. I want to make sure that I'm not going to lose any points. And I went back to her and said, wow, you actually read the rubric and you thought to check with me. I'm like, well, um, you were right. I didn't put it in, so I cannot deduct points. And if the teaching assistant does deduct any points, you can um, come back to me and I will override it because you are right. She had made sure that she wasn't going to lose points. And because she'd reached out and gone over that all with me, there was no way she could lose a point for being over time. Um, but she, she, she did it immediately. She didn't just wonder. She reached out. Teachers, I mean, you've got to really be a really bad teacher or professor if you are upset when your students reach out. I love it when they actually come and ask me questions or whether sometimes I've even had them give an extra video that they found on a topic or share their own ideas. It shows that they're actually reading and participating in my class. That is exciting for a teacher. So encourage your children to learn to reach out um, and, and make sure about something. It's never, even sometimes when I think, oh, it actually was all in that assignment. I would rather they reached out and asked than did it all incorrectly. Then related to that is point number seven is be polite. As it was, this, this particular student did actually find um, some problem. I think I'd forgotten to publish something. I've forgotten what it was now. And I know I had one of my other class that a similar thing happened. And a student kind of said to me, oh, um, we actually can't do this. It doesn't seem to be working and did explain well the problem. And I realized exactly what I'd done. Both of these students came back and kept being really polite and saying, thank you so much. Now, it was my mistake. They didn't really have to be quite so thankful, but their politeness in the way they did it and just like wasn't like this doesn't work. But I've had students that do that. I've had students be extremely rude to my teaching assistants, and that's not okay. And this is something where if you're teaching your kids to be polite in real life to people around, if you're modeling that, I doubt they're going to be impolite when they're actually reaching out to somebody online just because they can't see them. Uh, and that is really important. Number eight, check the grades. This is something that might be a little harder for you to teach your kids before they actually get into an online class situation. Um, but if they had co-op and there's some kind of online grading system, there's something else that you can, you know, even if you're the one that's meant to be checking, you can get them to look with you so that they get used to that idea. I find um, that many students will get to the end of the semester. It will be sort of early December and they'll suddenly realize, oh, I don't have an A and I want an A. 
and that's going to be normally too late. They suddenly realize that they weren't getting all the points they thought they were, and it's very hard to pull yourself up at that point. Now, in Fund of Funder classes, we allow students to resubmit work that doesn't get a perfect grade, but they have to do it within a week of it being graded. So if you don't check the grades and you're only looking at it a month or two later, you don't have that opportunity to go back. And you also don't realize what you're doing wrong. Now, at the end of many of um, my classes, I have a module where they have to do some kind of reflection or they have to do a current event. So like government, they have to take whatever they learned in that uh, module and they have to find a current event that relates because I want to see that they understand what's relevant, that, that government isn't just something theoretical, but it's actually happening today. They And there's various things they have to do. It's one of those things where they have to learn to follow the rubric. But many of them struggle with this. And when they do it incorrectly, the teaching assistants always explain what they're doing wrong. They'll say, no, that wasn't what you were supposed to do. You need to do this. Many of them forget to put the link to the article, which means, you know, the teaching assistant can't actually see if they've understood it or not because they don't know what the article is. And they will put very specific details as, as to what's gone wrong. But many students just keep going. So the second week, they do the same. Eventually, my teaching assistants will be messaging me and saying, this particular student is still getting two out of eight. I have left them information every time and they're just keeping on doing it. I perhaps will reach out to the student at that stage, but really it's it's on them. The students ha- can see their grade. What's more likely to happen is it will be, again, October, and perhaps their mom has asked to see their grades, and they will suddenly come back and say, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm spending hours on these things. And I say to them, but go back. There are comments every single week and you never read them. So make sure your kids look at that. See what's wrong. Reach out. They can say, I can see that I do not understand this properly. I am confused. Could you help me? After they've gone and actually reread the instructions, looked at the rubric and read any comments. They should then reach out to the teacher and the professor if they if they still um, don't know. When we get emails that say, I really want an A in this class. I see I'm not achieving it. How can I do it? We want to help, and most professors are going to want to. They're really horrible people if they don't. We want our students to succeed. So teach them to do that, and then to go back and reach out politely and all the rest. And the last thing is don't plagiarize. Right from the beginning, when your kids are starting to work online, or even if they're doing projects and you're giving them books to do research out of, if you can read in their writing that this was not them, but they're using words that are way beyond their ability, you need to try and explain to them how to actually um, write something without plagiarizing, how to use your research but not plagiarize. We find that a lot as students are, like for instance, the Locke versus Hobb story, we will um, find students literally using the words as they found it in Wikipedia or wherever they found it online. And it's so easy to tell that this is not a student's words and that this is especially when you're in high school but this is something they just took off the page and um, in a lot of what they will be submitting to us it's so easy for us just to google and we'll literally just say we see you got it here uh, they need to realize that you go online you research and then you close that research and then from what you have read you write that paragraph if they need to they can write short notes as they're reading something and then turn those notes into the answer but they cannot actually cut and paste. Not even if they copy it and then they say where it came from. I've had some students do that too. So they actually are citing where they're coming from, but that's the entire answer. I I know the answer. 
I don't want to be told in exact words from a website. The act of going and reading and learning about it and then rephrasing it, that's where the students are learning. But it's, it's so obvious. My teaching assistants can see it all the time. And I know that when my daughter started, my youngest one, when she started um, grading as a TA for me, she said, I'm never going to plagiarize. I had no idea how easy it is to notice. And I can tell you, I've had that from almost every single teaching assistant that has worked for me. So encourage your kids not to do that. Now, on the positive side, if your kids get these things right, if they start to do all these things, they are likely to stand out to an, even an online teacher, even in an asynchronous class like ours are. I have written a number of recommendation letters for students who I've never met in person. I have only met them online through my classes. And I've been able to do that because of the way the students have interacted with me, that there's so much I can actually say about them. I mean, this particular student who I say I've only had her in my class, I mean, the class started on Monday, but she started working early. So I've known her for about 10 days. If she continues to take another class or two with me, I will have a lot to write about because she really um, is displaying so many fantastic characteristics that I can tell even without getting to know her in person. So um, just that is something that to bear in mind that if your child ends up not having a co-op or another place where they can get academic references, do try to take more than one class from a particular online provider um, perhaps even from the same teacher, but even the different teachers, because the teachers, can, the one teacher can always ask the other teacher, you know, for more information um, within, you know, the same place. Uh, I know I've done that when I've written recommendation letters for students, and I know they've taken other funder funder classes. I've reached out to those teachers too, but you really can get a good recommendation letter just from an online class. So I hope you found this useful. And that you can share this with your children if they're high schoolers and you can start to work these things into your children's education if they're younger. Um, our show sponsor, Funder Funder Academy, did start on Monday, but um, we do keep accepting registrations until September 7th. So if you want your children to do any of our high school classes, and well, some of them are actually also for middle school, we do have like our computer applications, our programming classes. Um, ecology is fine for younger students, photography, um, there's a number of them that will work just fine with younger ones too. And then we also do have, um, as I said, we have the shorter version web-based unit studies for younger children that you can go and take a look at there. Now, uh, I didn't really use too many links here, but I will have links to our classes. You can find all our show notes with all these tips if you just want to print them out to share with your students. You can find them all at homeschoolingwithtechnology.com. Don't forget that we do have a uh, Facebook group, the Homeschooling with Technology community. Come and join there and join in the conversation that we have around some of these topics. And I would love it if you gave us a rating and review if you have a second to do that. And I will see you again, same time, same place next week. Thanks for tuning in to Homeschooling with Technology with Meryl Vandermerva. Visit her at fundafundaacademy.com and homeschoolingwithtechnology.com. Homeschooling with Technology is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.